Nidris Elba should be a sex object. gentlemen welcome to the film find the greatest movie podcast ever assuming you've never listened to a movie podcast before i am your host adam porters and i'm joined again by matt smith sort of joined again sort of How's that? i don't know what that means either i'm here i don't fucking know what i'm talking about well you know that's what happens when you do these things back to back and that's what we're doing here kids we're making up for lost time we don't just come here and say uh, well, we skipped a week. I guess these people are out of luck. No, we do not do that. We jump back in with all uh, with all legs. That's not a saying. Uh, uh, yeah, we, all fists. I think of we're flying. delirious. Yeah, Is that's that the thing now. That's about it. You know, look, man. When we do the pre-shows and all that kind of good stuff, we get to talking about a lot of crazy stuff, and that's why you know it always helps if you were uh, to know why we're in such a weird and odd headspace. If you go down to patreon.com slash the film find and uh, join up there. You get pre-show, post-shows, extra shows, shows earlier than everybody else. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's pretty sweet. And yeah. uh, we do want to uh, thank our executive producer again for this month, uh, Maria from upstate New York. She is uh, yet again rocking the big producers, uh, executive producer spot, man. And we appreciate her and each and every one of you that has uh, helped keep this show rolling, man. And we have a lot of stuff to cover. We are uh, so so. Last episode we had was a little bit more fun stuff, a little more a little more popcorning kind of deal. And this episode, we're getting into a little bit more of the uh, kind of a uh, end of the year movies, the more awardy type movies, the the ones where uh, let's be frank, old people are actually going to go to because two of the movies that we're going to talk about today, I you know the average person going to see it, I think was seventy two, uh, for good that or for bad. Not, that was not the case here in Atlanta, <laughs> although it is an older crowd uh, than was showing up to Jumanji. This is true. This is true. For sure. For, for, for definite on that. Uh, but we'll be covering a trio of new releases today. We're going to be covering a Darkest Hour, as well as All the Money in the World, and we'll be wrapping everything up with Molly's Game. Uh, so three, uh, I'd say pretty different movies overall, but I think we're going to have some interesting things to talk about. Uh, there, there's, some, uh, there's some overlap in them uh, stylistically, I think. Okay. We could, we could talk about that. Very good. Well, uh, on this here program, uh, you know, we usually have a What You've Been Watching segment. Um, I, I think you have a huge one this episode, right? Uh, yeah, I totally, I've seen a lot of stuff. <laughs> I've uh, I've totally not been just trying to figure out how to write a chapter about genre theory. I've seen so much, bro. I've seen so much. Um, <laughs> it's like you've been in the fucking I'm, war. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've I've been in the shit. I've seen things, man. as they call it. <laughs> um, no, I've I've not, I've not watched anything 
between this episode and the last one we recorded. Well, thanks for joining <laughs> us, everybody. <laughs> so, uh, so it's it's not much. Um, I I will say that uh, you know I I watched uh, Sicario again last night. Ah, I and just I saw the trailer for Sicario too, actually. So yeah, yeah, I saw that trailer as well, and I was like, I don't remember why I didn't like this thing. Um, it's better than I remembered it. I liked it well enough. I just didn't love it as much as I wanted to. I don't. I think that's still where I fall. Uh, I still don't think that ending works. I, I still don't think that it works the way that the way that it ends. But uh, we can talk more about that whenever the hell Sicario Two comes out. I guess I wouldn't mind seeing it again. So yeah, you know. um, I'll probably watch it again right before I see Sicario Two, so I can remember what in the hell's going on. Sicario Two, uh, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, but you know it's a screenplay by Taylor Sheridan, who I quite like. Uh, earlier this year, Wind River, um, or later earlier last year, Wind River came out, uh, as well as the year before that, Hell or High Water. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a strong screenwriter, so I'm willing to give him more of the benefit of the doubt. But uh, yeah, it was still just it was underwhelming uh, at the at the follow at the follow up. But I don't know that it's the screenplay as much as it is like what Oh uh, Villeneuve did with it. Because as I've discussed many times, I have a problem with the last like act of his movies. Yeah, and uh, and I'm uh, I'm higher on him than you are, of course. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I agree. I was just like of uh, for for me for for him that was of a lesser uh, caliber, but still liked it well enough to where I was like, oh, whatever yeah. this guy decides to do, you know. And and I'm still on board. People were people were. Uh, Mix with Blade Runner. I, I liked it more than I disliked it, but I was never like the biggest diehard Blade Runner fan to, to begin with. Same. So I think that's why I actually like that movie probably a little bit more than than most. But uh, if nothing else, I will say this, and I think you can definitely agree with this: the man makes pretty looking movies. Oh yeah, without a doubt, right? Like every issue I have is is a story. Uh, theme issue and i don't think you're a thousand percent wrong i i i don't agree with you all that but i i, I certainly wouldn't point and say like oh a poppycock that's not that's not correct because there's there's something to be said there for sure yeah. uh but yeah so we'll, we'll check that out eventually but me that's right me baby me i've got tons of stuff uh-oh uh, so let's, uh, let's jump back to Netflix for a hot second here. Cause Netflix has been throwing out some stuff. Um, oh, they just dropped black mirror season four. Uh, I've yes. only seen one so far, which was the, uh, USS, uh, Callister. I believe it is. I, I wrote it down. I don't know the if star I wrote it. Yeah. It's basically star Trek for the most part. Good stuff. Got Jesse Plemons in it and everything. And, uh, it's a, it's a good time, man. It's more Black Mirror. So if you like Black Mirror and uh, or uh, you know Twilight Zone, any of that good jazz, man, check it out. Good stuff for you. Uh, but I'll be I'll be talking more about those as I as I kind of continue to uh, watch them. Okay. Uh, in a little documentary series, half of it half of it half of it had a stroke. Half of it <laughs> yeah, is out. Did. Half of it is out now. Half of it will be out. I think they're saying probably somewhere mid this year. Maybe uh, is the toys that made us. It's a little uh, documentary I series one on of Netflix. Those. Yeah, there's uh, there's a uh, several out there now. I've recently I watched the Star Wars one, which is the first one. You want to guess which one I watched? Uh, you're a GI Joe guy, I would put. No, really. No, not a GI Joe guy. Oh, so you watched the Barbie one then? Yeah, of course. Which I, I you, you pegged it. It's it's on there. I do want to watch the Barbie one, but I watched the Star Wars and He Man one. Yeah, He Man, motherfucker. Yeah, they're good. 
the the, the greatest real... toy uh, ever made. I the He Man one is re- the He Man one is really good because that's like one of those great stories where it's just like there are fifteen dudes who all take credit and say, "No, I'm the guy who did." No, I'm the guy who did it, and it's just like, and they're all like, just they're all eccentric levels of uh, asshole. <laughs> yeah, they're great. It it is like honestly, there could be a movie. There could be a movie based upon like the creation of this that probably wouldn't be bad. Yeah, I think so. I could I I see some sort of it could work. Because there's like no. Look, he, if the Cohen brothers movie. could make a movie about the fucking hula hoop, that's a good point. That's a good point. You'll find an angle on the He Man. I got a hoop. It has see? to be better than the actual He Man movie. Well, you know, you don't have to shoot high, <laughs> man. Let me tell you, as a kid going into and they and they brought back a lot of bad memories with that fucking He Man movie, dude. I was uh-huh. so ready for that movie, ready to go, and like I'm watching it, just going, well, what is this? Who is this little elf guy? Like, give me Orko, dude. You know what? What, what is it? What are What are we doing here? And then right. you look back, and it's just like, oh yeah. By the way, Franklin Jella is Skeletor. Yeah, right. You're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so bizarre. Uh, but the toys that made us, they have the Star Wars, He Man, Barbie, and GI Joe. Those are out right now. Uh, they're going to be doing four others. I know. I'm fairly certain one of them is going to be Transformers. That should be a good one. Uh, and there'll be a couple more in there as well, but uh, definitely worth checking that out, man. Uh, that's on Netflix right now. Uh, let's see here. Other than that, uh, I also went to the movies and saw Downsizing, the new w- one uh, from uh, Mr. Alexander Payne. Uh, I'm an Alexander Payne fan for the most part. I do like uh, the majority of his work. And uh, Yeah, I like him a lot too. The reason I haven't seen this thing is Marsha wants to see it. Okay, that's fair enough. And and so we're going to go see it this weekend, but uh, you know, let's get, let's get on with it with the show. So, I'm not going to hold up the show. Well, I'll say this. And and I wouldn't mind talking to you about it because I think this this movie is going to take some people by surprise and some people probably by surprise in not a good way. Uh, I say that in as much as I think some people going to see this will not know Alexander Payne. Right? And yeah. if you don't, if you were expecting exactly the movie that you saw in the trailer. You are getting that movie, but you're getting that movie as directed by Alexander Payne. So Uh you're going to get a little bit more nuance to everything that's in here. Uh, It's good. It's not amazing, but it's good. And what's cool about it is that it's got, it it kind of has something to say, but yet, and and it brings up some questions in a, in a sense but doesn't. But also at the same time, doesn't have an answer. Now, one that I would tell people to go do uh, once you've seen it, check out the uh, the DGA podcast where Alexander Payne is on there and he uh, is interviewed about the movie, and uh, uh-huh. it, it's pretty interesting to see where you know he kind of comes down on a lot of this stuff and like the influences for it. But it's Matt Damon, Christoph Waltz. What I really hate though, is that the movie was like in the second trailer, they did kind of spoil a little something, which I really don't like. So if you haven't seen the, uh, much as of the trailers don't, but here's, here's the essential, you know, kind of thing. Uh, they, INDB like puts it out here in the plot line says a social satire. It's like, why would you put that in the title? You fucking idiots. (laughs) 
God damn it. Are and, they wrong, motherfucker? I mean, it, I suppose that it is, but like, don't put that in the log line. A social satire in which a man realizes he would have a better life if he were to shrunk himself to five inches tall, allowing him to live uh, the life in wealth and splendor. That's a fucking horrible log line. That's just, I mean, it, it's essentially sort of that. But he goes to a, him and his wife, played by Kristen Wiig, are going through some tough times. And uh, years, years ago, the uh, there was a Swedish scientist who realized that you know almost by accident that he could shrink things down. Right. right. Eventually, they end up doing it for humans, and the humans have a little col- have several different colonies and stuff of small living people. Uh, the big thing is, of course, being smaller. And, and, and the idea is, hey, we can shrink humanity down because with all the you know climate change and all this kind of jazz and stuff. Uh, we'll, you know, we're running out of resources and all this sort of stuff. So if you shrink down, you're obviously putting a smaller footprint on the world and, uh, you know, taking up less resources and thus, you know, uh, because you don't have to spend as much money, you know, your, your money is much, much greater when you're smaller. So if you have like liquid, liquid, everything that you got out, you've got like a hundred thousand dollars, you know, us as it were, then it would come out to a couple million, like $12 million that you'd be able to live on for the rest of your life. And what the trailer shows is basically that, but doesn't show you that there are downsides to other sides of this thing. Downsides? What a fucking Jesus! That portress didn't even realize you were doing it. Um, <laughs> is that because you start asking yourself questions as you're watching this? Because you're just like, wow, so like everybody just you know lives in these like big mansions and everything, and has all this kind of good stuff, and is living the good life, and it certainly seems like that. And but you start thinking you're like, well, what? How does stuff get done around here? And then you do realize that there's also another class of people that you know get shrunken down and stuff. And how do those people live? What what's the other side of the tracks look like when you know you get shrunken down and you don't have a lot of money? And you know where does that group go? How did they get there in the first place? Super interesting kind of stuff. Uh the biggest the biggest standout in this movie is 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 an actress named uh, Hong Chao C H A U, uh, is Vietnamese uh, lady and uh, she's been in a couple things. Uh, she was in um, one of those HBO fucking shows, Treme. She was in that and then, uh, she had like a little role in Inherent Vice. Uh, she is great. She's great. She's she's Vietnamese, but she was born uh-huh. in Thailand. Uh, she is fantastic. Uh, she hasn't been in a whole bunch of stuff, but uh, she plays a, a, someone who came over from Vietnam uh, and was inside of a television box, and uh, she was like a, a dissident and all that kind of stuff. I don't want to go too much into it because I, I, I like the the reveal of everything. But man, she is, she used to stand out in this, and I would not. There's like there's a scene or two in there that, honest to goodness. She could probably get uh, at least a nomination for Academy Award. That good, that wow. good of stuff. Uh, but overall, it, it, it's good. I like the movie. It asks a lot of questions, doesn't answer them because, frankly, I don't. Th- you know, if you really think about it, these questions are not answerable. Uh, but I, I like it. It's an Alexander Payne movie, and if you like Alexander Payne movies, chances are you're probably going to like it. But if you're not familiar with his kind of style and and whatnot. I don't know that your your average popcorn movie goer is going to watch this thing and dig it, but and it's a, but it's also interesting coming uh, coming as an Alexander Payne movie that has like a lot of special effects and stuff in it, which is not something that he's kind of uh, used to doing. 
uh, but uh-huh. does a pretty darn good job of it. But I like it. So uh, right. check check it out. It's in theaters right now. Downsize. Um, I do want to talk about one other thing um, that I would suggest people go out and do because I think it's worth their time. Now, if you like movies, which I'm guessing if you're listening to the film line, chances are you do, and you like um, documentaries and like little things like that, but don't necessarily always want to sit down to watch something that's like you know two hours long or something. Uh, there's a website out there, in the website, but there's a YouTube channel out there. I, most of their regular stuff I don't care for, but they have a series called uh, the Director Series, and uh, the actual it's called Indie Film Hustle is the name of the uh, the channel on on YouTube, and okay. they have a a director a, a different series out there for directors, and they kind of separate the directors out in their like first couple of movies. They they do a couple movies at a time. So ultimately, you'll get a pretty long, you know, sized documentary focusing on a particular director. Uh, they've done one on Christopher Nolan. They've done one on David Fincher. Uh, I think they're just starting up doing one on both uh, the Cohen brothers and um, I just fucking said his goddamn name. Um, Inherent Vice, Paul Thomas PTA. Uh, they're doing one on him as well that they just started up. Good stuff, well-researched, well-edited, and kind of put together and stuff. So uh, if you dig, you know, hearing people talk about directors and their bodies of work and stuff like that, I suggest uh, you check it out, man. Uh, just uh, just uh, go to YouTube and look up Indie Film Hustle. Check them out. I enjoy it. Okay. Indie Film Hustle. Uh, all right. So let's get into it, man. We got a lot of stuff to cover here. Here is the trailer for Darkest Hour. Let them see your true qualities. My poor judgment. You know, your sense of humor. Ho, ho, ho. Your Majesty. Mr. Churchill, I invite you to take up the position of Prime Minister. She's an actor in love with the sound of his own voice. You need to reply to the Lord Privy Seal. I am sealed in the Privy. Now I can only deal with one shit at a time. <laughs> a bottle of champagne for lunch. Another one at dinner. Here's the not buggering it up. Not buggering it up. We are looking at the collapse of Western Europe in the next few days. You ask what is our aim? Victory at all costs. You're suggesting we're somehow winning. We're not. Is it true we're in full retreat? All our forces are now in Dunkirk, where we cannot reach them. They're pushing us into the sea. There is a question of peace talks between ourselves and Germany. Europe is still... Europe is lost. That child. You have the full weight of the world on your shoulders. How many men will survive? Go to the people. Tell them the truth. Rouse to an heroic resistance. There's nothing patriotic in fighting to the end. Now is the time to negotiate. When will the lesson be learned? You cannot reason with a tiger when your head is in its mouth. I take full responsibility. Really? Really? Yes, sir. It is the reason I sit in this chair. Yourself. Myself. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight 
on the landing ground. We should fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender! For without victory, there can be no survivor. All right, that was the trailer for Darkest Hour, our first new release review of this episode. I don't want to say week, week. We're, we're doing double duty. IMDb plotline, during the early days of World War II, the fate of Western Europe hangs on the newly appointed British Prime Minister Winston Churchill, who must decide whether to negotiate with Hitler or fight against incredible odds. This is directed by Joe Wright, written by Anthony uh, McCartan. McCartan? McCartan, sure. Starring Gary Oldman, Kristen Scott Thomas. I can't talk to you. I swear I had a stroke. Ben Mendelsohn and uh, and many more. Um, so uh, I, I would say we're both Joe Wright fans, right? Uh, yeah, the only thing I don't like by him is Pan. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. I, I don't, like, I, like, other than that, I like it. Pretty much everything. I don't know. Uh, I don't know that I'd put pain on his shoulders. Is why that's bad. I think that was just bad from the get but, go. But like, you know, the so the soloist is whatever. But like, you know, you've got to run from Pride and Prejudice, Atonement. Uh, Anna Karenina is really good, and then here he is with the uh, Darkest Hour. Yeah, and, and plenty of other. You know, it's a, yeah. He's just, he's done some some fairly solid work for the most part. I would say. Uh, now you want to know something that was funny. Now I saw like, so here's how my movie schedule went. Uh, New Year's Eve, I did triple feature. I started uh, with downsizing. Then I went to uh darkest hour and I finished up with uh Molly's game. And I swear to you when I get out of, so I'm, I'm obviously waiting around in the lobby a whole bunch during all this. And I get out and somebody just goes, Who's Gary Oldman? And I'm just like, it's the motherfucker you just watched for the last two hours. I'm surprised that people but, don't know who Gary Oldman is. I was just, I just, well, what, I think what's craziest about that is you know that the demographic for this fucking movie saw Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. Yeah. You know they saw that shit. <laughs> And this movie was just all old people, dude. I'm telling you, the average age was 65 plus. I was I was young and in there, and boy, did I have to go back and tell some old people, "You are not at home. Shut the fuck up." Ugh, I I yeah, cannot. I, did, I didn't have to do I that, to but I was people. by far the youngest person in my screening. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, according to my other buddy who works at uh, the other uh, art house uh, in town and stuff, he just because he told me he put out a thing, he put out a, like a little thing on Facebook. He said, uh, "We sold over a hundred tickets to a show, and then this other cu- this one couple comes in, they buy tickets, they go in and said, hey, there's nowhere to sit. There's like a hundred sixty odd seats in there.' So he's like, I know that there's somewhere for them to sit. And I'm like, slow down. You sold a hundred a hundred tickets at the Manor. What the hell are people going to see?" Darkest hour, old people catnip, boy. Yep, indeed. So I was like, wow, I can't believe it. Because when you go, if you went into that theater very often, you're lucky if, you know, 20, 30 seats sold. So to hear like 100 seats sold, is like, yowza. Yeah. Uh, but this New Year's Eve, man, this show is at like, I think, 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock. Yeah, about, well, about 7 o'clock. And uh, it, was, it was pretty packed. It's pretty packed for a New Year's Eve. Uh, and the, here- the show I went to, or the show I went, yeah, the show before when, when I went to see it. 
was uh, was sold out. Wow. The show that I went to. Yeah. So, like, this movie is doing some business. I mean, I, it's not, like, killing everything, really. But, uh, you know, it's made $26 million. It ain't that Jumanji money. <laughs> it ain't. But, you know, for a movie that's only, it's it's in less than a thousand theaters. Hmm. Yeah, that's about right. You know, it's made so, 26 million. I was about million. to say, probably per screen average, and then it's probably pretty solid. And, you know, they've I, you have to imagine most of the budget for this movie was was spent on uh, cast salary mm-hmm. and uh, and costuming, right? Like, just the period, periodization of everything. Right. Which, maybe not, because, you know, it's a British production, and... Uh, <laughs> we got this uh, stuff they, lying they, around. They, they certainly <laughs> have that shit. Uh, from all BBC stuff that that comes out, um, but you have to you have to imagine most of the budget went to that, right? More than likely, because um, it's not like there's a whole bunch of there's a couple of battle things in here. But uh, you know w- what I like about the war stuff actually is uh, is that it creates this nice visual resonance with the way that Churchill is fo- forced to think about the war mm-hmm. as a strategy, right? So he's constantly talking about the map. Right. And damn it, if every time you see a a battle happen, even if it starts low, eventually you just get this massive zoomed out shot of like, here's the map. Mm -hmm. And I really liked that a whole lot. Yeah, this is definitely a uh, a companion piece, uh, obviously, to Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk earlier this year. This is kind of like the flip side of that coin. Yeah, this is this is the the political side of it. Right. right, which I think would be how, a cool double feature. This? Yeah, um, uh, Gary Oldman, fucking fantastic. Uh, he is, I think, always a very good actor. Mm-hmm. I know there are probably some people out there who disagree with me, but I really do like the guy. Um, and here uh, he nails Churchill. Like he really nails him. Like you go and look at footage of Churchill speaking. It's a mannerisms, yeah, everything. He's Churchill. Physical embodiment and stuff. It's he's doing what he does the best is really just disappearing into a role. Whether that be, you know, all the way back in uh what what do you call it there? Like true romance where people go, Hey, yep. that's Gary Oldman. And you're like, what? Yeah, it doesn't doesn't yep. look or feel or anything like Gary Oldman all the way, you know, to this. It's just like the guy just gets inside of a character and lives there. And and like few other people, and it's not, and you're right, it's not just a makeup thing. It is a voice thing. It is a how he carries himself sort of thing. It's, it's a, this is beyond just makeup. This is truly acting. And while I did like this movie, I wasn't bowled away by it. And I won't say that people are, most people will walk out of this going fucking amazing. You will walk out of this and undoubtedly go, that man needs to be bare minimum nominated for all the awards. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think this movie is the best movie I've seen this year by far, but I did like it quite a bit. And being such a huge, uh, history nerd, uh, who's just really into this shit in particular, um, given, you know, my undergraduate background, right. Uh, I just fucking liked the movie a whole lot. It's well-made. It's, uh, got a direct, uh, directorial style that is interesting that I think only Joe Wright would have brought to it. Cause he's, he's constantly thinking about form 
for his films, right? So, like, mm-hmm. when he staged Anna Karenina, it's like, it looks like it's a fucking stage projection, right? Um, and so I think he's constantly thinking about that stuff. So, so for me, when, when I watch this and I see all those motifs of the map and the, and the battlefield being correlated with the map and things like that, like, I know that that's Joe Wright thinking about, like, okay, what am I going to do here that is a little different from how other people would do this stylistically, and that's that's interesting to me. Um, but every I th- I don't think there's a bad performance in the whole thing. Like uh, Kristen Scott Thomas, she's as fantastic wife, as always, but she's just great, she's so great, right? Ben Mendelsohn, right, playing King King George. <laughs> that's another one. It's like, and again, I didn't really know much about this, and Ben Mendelsohn shows up, and I'm just like, what? Oh, sweet, because like he's another one of those guys that, especially in the last couple of years, has really just kind of stepped up. Like he, he's, he's been there. He's been there a long time, right? But he's yeah. he's really just stepped up in the last couple of years and truly becoming kind of a presence and stuff. And gosh, if he isn't like awesome when you see him, ha- when, when, when he you know comes on screen. Well, and, and what's nice here, too, is that, you know, this is uh, King George VI that he's playing and. What I like about it is he's – I don't know if you picked up on this. Uh, the last time we saw King George VI on screen uh, in, a, in a big film was the King's Speech, right? This is the same king. Ah, uh, yeah. Right? And Mendelssohn does exactly what we saw in that film, which is he, he like – he overcomes the stutter multiple times. Yeah, you can tell there's a couple of moments where it's like, you know, kind of, kind of things. Right, like, that but he stops himself yeah. exactly like he learned. Right, like so, so, so he's he's like doing that performance, which is great. Um, but Ben Mendelsohn's amazing. Uh, Lily James as Churchill's secretary. Uh, I mean, I I love her. A she's whole another lot. She's one that's just like coming, just coming up. The last couple of years, she's just been like you know banging on all cylinders here. It's like yeah. you know just beautiful and a heck of an actress. It's just like any and again, it's another one of those. She comes and it's like, oh shoot, she's in this sweet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I so I'll. I'll end it by saying this i really dug this film this is a high recommendation for me uh i know where you're coming from and that like this is not the grist thing and maybe it's not for everybody i don't think it is but like i really fucking yeah it. if this and is your bag you'll definitely you'll definitely it, like yeah it. if you like period pieces if you like actors just like getting in there and living in it a little bit uh i don't think you'll see I, you know we haven't seen phantom thread it doesn't even open here until the 19th i don't think um you know, if you like that sort of these actors are living the thing, it's not just old men in here. Like Kristen Scott Thomas is Churchill's wife, right? Ben mm-hmm. Mendelsohn is King George, right? They're doing the job uh, really well. So, yeah, but but do keep in mind because and, and I've heard this from some people. So uh, do not go into this movie thinking that you're going to get a tons of action scenes and all this other stuff. This ain't that movie. Go see Dunkirk. You're, that you'll be you'll be yeah. happier well, with that than you would yeah, just with this. Watch watch Dunkirk and then go watch this. It'll or give you, vice versa. Yeah, it'll yeah. Because I was I was thinking I'm just like, well, which one? Like, if you're doing a double feature, which one do you do first? And technically, you really could do either one. Either one because it's it's literally flip sides of the coin, right? It's Dunkirk is you know at, it's after Churchill takes uh, office, of course, but 
you know, if you want to understand how that situation came about and, uh, you know, deal with the fact that, um, like Neville Chamberlain was as fucking spineless as (laughs) everybody actually said he was, uh, go see this thing. But yeah, it's it's definitely why this is this is a performance piece for performance pieces. There's there's zero doubt about that. Yeah. All right, on to our next one here. Here's the trailer for All the Money in the World. You carry a gun, Mr. Chase. I never bothered. Ruins a lot of your suit. You used to be a spy. My child is a prisoner. Seventeen million dollars. All they will take is eye, is ear, the hand, and don't tell me you don't have the money. My former father-in-law only buys the best. It's time for you to do whatever it is he pays you to do. Let's hope you're half as good as everything else he's bought. You need to pay the ransom, Mr. Getty. Have the money to spare. No one has ever been richer than you are at this moment. What would it take for you to feel secure? More. More. I'm gonna find your son. We protect from every threat. Unless that threat happens to be me. Paul, I just want to go home. Paul. trailer for all the money in the world our second new release and i'll say this uh 2017 is the year kanye really got paid for that song (laughs) oh my gosh that song has been in more trailers for video games for movies it like and that song's like what three four years old i guess or something at this point he got paid for that song this year i don't know like he had to pay off somebody like there was some debts that need to be paid or something i don't know what the fuck happened i plotline. No, he had, to, he had to contribute to the household in some way this year. I guess he's just like, look, man, she's been doing all the all the, all the e television shows. I got to I got to put in something. Can can you sell that all that power song to fucking everybody under the sun for a nickel? <laughs> Jesus. Here's the IMDb plot line: the story of the kidnapping of 16 year old John Paul Getty III and the desperate attempt by his devoted mother to convince his billionaire grandfather John Paul Getty to pay the ransom. <coughs> Pardon me. Is uh, directed by Ridley Scott, written by David Scrappa, uh, starring Michelle Williams, Christopher Plummer. We'll talk about that in a second. Mark Wahlberg and more. Those are going to be the big ones. Um, so, man, oh man, Ridley Scott. Uh, yes. There's two people that could do that could pull off what needed to be pulled. Well, supposedly, I mean, technically, it didn't need to, but I think 
I, I think it's better I, than it did. I think it worked out well that it did. Oh no, no, no! I'm not. Yeah, I'm, we'll talk about that. But uh, of the people in of the people in the world, there are two people that I think could have done the, the monumental tasks that needed to be done in this movie, and that's Ridley Scott and David Fincher. Those are the only two people that I think could pull off what they did in the amount of time that they did. Now. Yeah, for those well, of you and, and Clint Eastwood, but he would have never been making this movie to begin. Probably not. Uh, but for those of you living under a rock, uh, when this movie uh, was shot initially and the trailers came out for it, so it wasn't like it was any sort of uh, thing that was hiding under a rock or anything. Uh, the original role of John Paul Getty was played by Kevin Spacey. And yeah. what happened with Kevin Spacey went down and obviously uh, not so good on the press. Right now, there have been a couple movies that have had things like this pardon me, things like this happen. And sometimes they just kind of go and like, well, uh, we're just going to bite the bullet, put it out, and there you have it. Uh, they decided, you know, pretty last hour, nope, we're not going to be the ones who uh, bite that bullet. We're going in and we're doing reshoots. And Christopher Plummer, who had not read the script, who didn't know, and like, and honestly, he actually asked to read the script before he was he's like, look, I appreciate you asking me and everything, but I do want to read the script. He read the script overnight, and then they, uh, then he's like, yes, I'll do it. And then uh, Ridley Scott had to shoot his part over. Now, at this point, none of us really knew exactly how much you know Kevin Spacey was in this movie, right? Yeah, we as, we assumed based on this plan, and, we had talked about it even on the show mm -hmm. that it was probably relatively little. That it was going to be, I was thinking 15, 20, 25 minutes at the most. Yeah. Here's the thing. Christopher Plummer is in this movie for bare, I didn't stop clock it, but I'm saying it's bare minimum 45 minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's easily a third of this film is scenes where, where, where J. Paul Getty's character is on screen. And it is not done in like super obvious, like he's the only person in frame kind of thing where you no, would no, no. obviously they're, they're think. They're in there with him. Like they, they pulled everybody back. They reshot the They got the him stuff, in place. Everything. This is like, and, and like I said, and the reason I say that, the reason I said like, you know, Fincher would have done it pretty much digitally. He would have got Christopher Plummer in there and would have done all the mocap stuff and then just thrown his face on him. But yeah. Ridley Scott said, we've got all these places in England. Everything's still there. We're shipping everybody back over. And we're reshooting what we have to reshoot. And they reshot a lot. There's only one shot in here that I know that they didn't reshoot. And I know it was a digital shot. And it was the shot that was over, uh, you know, in, in the desert. The desert stuff, that shot was, that was digital. Yeah. Uh, but the rest of it, there's, if, if there's trick, if there's some digital trickery no, no. in there, it's damn well, good. You can, you can tell. And here's how you can tell. It, it's very subtle. But in the scenes where Christopher Plummer and uh, Mark Wahlberg appear together, mm -hmm. compare Mark Wahlberg's frame to the scenes where he's alone or only with Michelle Williams in this movie. Hmm. Because when he came back for reshoots, he was already in the middle of shooting another movie and was 30 pounds lighter. Oh, really? And so he's actually, yeah, if you watch the scenes, like it's very subtle, but Marsha, Marsha and I noticed it. Uh, like it's the only way you would recognize any of it is that like he's slimmer hmm. in in the scenes where he's sitting there talking with J. Paul Getty. But let's let's talk about him real quick. Mark Wahlberg, one of, one of the better Mark Wahlberg performances. And then I like Mark, Mark Wahlberg yeah, in, as an actor. In a, in a while. Yeah, for sure. But this is like it's very it's subdued. It's it's not very Mark Wahlbergian, if you will. Uh, and that's no, a good it's thing. It's not super hot headed. 
It's not right. Like he gets that one great scene at the end where uh, he he kind of like tells J. Paul Getty that he's a selfish shit. Yeah. Uh, and and that's about as Mark Wahlbergy as it gets. But very um, underplayed. It's good. It's really really good. Yeah. I I think again, and this is going to be the theme. Remember that ties all these movies together. These performances are top notch. Even Christopher Plummer, right, who comes in. 11th hour, literally like, 11th yeah, hour. This like is as 11th hour as a you month and a half, possibly right? can get. <laughs> like comes in and really does the fucking job, man. Like he's really good. Yeah. It's just like that just shows somebody that can come in and even now, at his age, just, just demolish what's going in here. And at the end of the day, yeah, I think it's really, I think, you know, Spacey's performance and and they've asked Ridley Scott. They're just like, do you think this will ever hit the light of day? He paused and said, "I highly doubt it," which to me means that like there's part of him that kind of also maybe have liked what was going on there, or at least I know that maybe he's like, I spent a lot of fucking time doing all this, so it feels like you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and there's a weird part of me that kind of as just as an experiment wants to see that cut, but. That all that being said, I think Christopher Plummer is a way better choice because a I, I just just it fits the role better because I he, he's I, the age that's precisely where I was going. I think that we would have spent the majority of our time with Kevin Spacey admiring the great makeup job. I think with uh, because unlike unlike what Oldman does in Darkest Tower, where he embodies everything that has to yeah. do with Churchill, right? We would have just been watching Kevin Spacey in makeup. I like Kevin Spacey. He's a good enough actor. He's done a lot of different stuff. But he would have just been acting in that makeup. We would have just seen through the makeup to see Kevin Spacey. This, we're just looking at Christopher Plummer giving a killer performance. And I think ultimately, you know, the circumstances being what they were, ultimately, I think probably made a better film. Yeah, I think so. And let's talk about her. Michelle Williams. Michelle Williams is having a hell of a year, too. Yes. That's another one where it's just like it seemed like for a while she was kind of there, but sort of fell off a little bit just as far as like big, well, big roles. Yeah. Well, I mean, she she has made a conscious effort um, really since uh, like the mid 2000s to just do. Like, like whatever the fuck she wants, quite honestly. And most of it's been very good. I think her biggest role um, outside of last year when she was opposite uh, Affleck in um, Manchester, Manchester by the Sea, mm-hmm. right, which was only a big role because that movie became a big deal. But her biggest role before that, like for maybe 10 years, was in Shutter Island. Yeah. Like that was the biggest movie, and that was not a big movie. That was one of Scorsese's like, like smaller films. Smaller films, and Blue Valentine came out the same year there, which again, nobody for the most part, which was nobody a lot of saw. buzz, but nobody saw it, right? Yeah, like no one saw it. Uh, I mean, I mean, they did, but like it did well, but it it wasn't like big numbers, right? Which was a lot of her stuff around this and time. Even Meeks that, cut off, she's amazing at yeah, it. Yeah, and even though Shutter uh, Island wasn't wall, like great, that big, right? but that was like in, in comparison, it's it's big compared to most of these other films. Yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even that wasn't a super successful by, like, probably Scorsese standards, if you will. Right. And and so it's really, it is really nice to see her here. Uh, I think The Greatest Showman is definitely the more successful of the the films. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
you know, although this one's not doing too shabby in one week in release, like uh, it's still not. You know, full, it's it's, wide, I don't think it's wide wide yet. I think it's got one more week. It, it, it it's it's two thousand. It's in two thousand. Oh, is it okay? Yeah, but you know, only seventeen million. But that's a pretty strong showing for this type of film, especially if it came out right at the new year and Christmas um, where everybody's going to see Jumanji and star Wars and pitch perfect and all that. Yeah, shit exactly. Anyway. It's like, it's a, it's a, it's a tough road to hoe, but it, right? I, I, mean, th- I think bo- everything before this, right. So there's literally a divide in the, in the box office numbers, right? Number one, star Wars, number two, Jumanji, number three, pitch perfect, number four, greatest showman, number five, Ferdinand, number six, Coco. Right. Yeah. And then the next ones are all the money in the world, darkest hour, downsizing, Father Figures, Shape of Water, Wonder, Molly's Game, Lady Bird, right? Like, there's a pattern. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, but here's the thing. I think given the next two or three weeks when we're getting a lot of really shitty films out, because that's just where January is. January is a dumping ground. A this is gonna This is going to hold in there. And then when, when buzz starts coming around, people are going to start to pick this up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but I'll say this. So let me, let me start here. Um, I think the... F- I, this is going to sound super odd, but I, I, I like it. Uh-huh. I think this is a film that you need to bring popcorn into if you see it in the theater. Bring popcorn into the theater because the first half of this movie is a little slow. It is a setup, okay? Because yes. if, you're, if you're not ready, you could find your mind wandering or maybe nodding off. If you have a little popcorn that's at least giving your hands and, and mouth and stuff a little something to do to kind of keep you busy, because I think maybe... If you're not careful, you could just kind of like, because it's a lot of setup. But once things get really rolling, it really doesn't go off. It, it, does, it doesn't stop, you know? Once, once, once we get into it. Because I, I say the second half of this movie is, is stronger than the first half. But the first half, I'm not to say that the first half's weak, per se. But as far as like a, a momentum standpoint, I guess. Well, yeah, the first hour or so is really just about setting up the dynamics of how people interact with one another and uh, like the circumstances of what's happened to the youngest uh, Getty that's been kidnapped and his relationship with the captors and, you know, things like that. And then the second uh, hour and 20 minutes is just watching those pieces fall just watching the dominoes go down. Yeah, it's it's yeah, exactly. We're setting up a chessboard here and then we're finally getting to play the game. Yes. And and I think that it works actually. I like I like that structure. I wasn't bored by the first half because I think the story itself is so interesting, mostly because um like J Paul Getty was such an old school gilded age style billionaire. Yeah, cantankerous old fuck. That <laughs> Yeah, right. That he like is a shitty human being and and watching watching that play out um, on screen in relation to his own family is kind of fascinating. And the and the way that it's constantly for him as well as for his son and he thinks and assumes for his ex daughter in law, mm-hmm. played by Michelle Williams, always about one upsmanship. That in and of itself is like a fascinating thing that, like, for me, uh, demonstrates like how like completely fucking insane rich people are. 
Right. Now, at the same time, and, though. And comes out, like, that's it stated in the fucking voiceover narration, right? Like, I'm, I'm telling you all of this because it's it makes it makes what comes after <laughs> yeah uh, like like understandable because it's a you're a, you're in a different universe yeah it's in the, it's more in the initial in the in the first trailer the one i showed there was more the, the one once christopher Plummer was in um but yeah it was like the first trailer was more just like hey we're very different than you we look like you we may sound a little bit like you but we are not like you this there right. the, our world is very different from your world some things are the same, but a lot of things are very, very different. Yes. And what I do like at the same time, too, is it, it, there's a fine line to kind of walk. And I, and, and I think really Scott does this very well, is that we are shown that Getty is kind of a scumbag, that he is a jerk. But at the same time, too, like there's certain things and certain lines and stuff where he talks about like, hey, if I had to do this, there are certain things where you just go. What he's saying, if you think about it from his perspective, makes sense. And seems that he's not necessarily doing it out of absolute malice. He is, but he doesn't like in, you know how villains are, right? Where you have the villain to that uh, just goes, hey, what in my mind, what I'm doing is the right thing and not necessarily the evil thing, right? Right. You have the, that coming from this character as you buy that he believes that what he's doing is is the right thing. So it's not necessarily he's doing it in some, in some instances, he's doing it to necessarily, you know, be horrible. It's just what he in his crazy messed up mind and world believes is the right thing to do for his particular circumstance, which I think is an, uh, something that I don't know that everybody would give us. And I thought that was an interesting choice, but it's, I, I also like this because it is and is not a Ridley Scott movie at the same time, too. Because it well, feels different from some of the stuff that we've been getting from him, at least lately. And I like that. I mean, I I guess, except that like Ridley Scott frequently operates in two strains simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Right? Where he, he kind of makes smaller films that are more character studies and then he'll go and he'll make his big budget thing right so i i think the last time we got a movie that was this scale was probably 2013 with the counselor yeah and then before that was uh that movie that had um uh russell crowe where he was like he had a vineyard right like that thing uh, a very good year i think hold on I think that's yeah a very uh, good year right okay where he like russell crowe inherits a, a vineyard in in italy right or france i forget where anyway france and italy they're pretty much the same thing i say <laughs> well <laughs> it, it gives a shit. the point is that he has a a, a, a thing yeah um it's in france uh, anyway, what I love about the um, guy is that he does have so many different types of things to where you know this is more more American gangster than, you know, a body of lies or something. Yeah. Right. This is, this is smaller scale Scott. Yeah. <laughs> it, oh, it, like this is more of That's a, a good match, type. like a matchstick men level kind of thing. Yeah. That's another one sure, that you don't think right? of like, Oh, that screams Ridley Scott per se. But it, right. but but at the same time, exactly. it totally does. Because again, he's that, that's what I love about the guy is that he's very, I don't want to say over the, all, all over the map because that, that, that has a bad connotation, but he's versatile, I guess. Yeah. 
but it, it's worth watching. Like I said, great, great performances from everybody in this. I think I want, I hope Michelle Williams gets enough recognition from this because I, well, I think she got a golden globe, right? Did she? Like a nomination. Okay. I good. think so. Good, good, good. Because I think she, I think her, her role can be brushed past if you're not careful. Because she's doing a lot here, but I think she's doing it almost so well that it doesn't feel like she's doing anything, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'd like to, I it, think she's it almost, really good at that. Yeah, exactly. She It's almost kind of an effortless sort of thing, and it doesn't feel like she's acting. But there's acting in there, absolutely, 100%. But it doesn't feel like that's going on. But, uh, you know, if you like a good adult movie, man, this is this is, this is is one to go see, man. It's It's... Come on, it's fucking Ridley Scott. What do you want from me, people? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna recommend this one too. Uh, I think I think that it's really good. Indeed. All right. So up next here, here is the trailer for Molly's Game. I'm Molly Bloom. Do you know about me? I read your indictment after I got your call last night, and I bought your book. Do you understand that you are charged with operating an illegal gambling business? Are you taking me on as a client? I don't think I can convince my partners to take a flyer on the poker princess. If you think a princess can do what I did, you're incorrect. I'm getting that you don't think much of me, but what if every single one of your ill-informed, unsophisticated opinions about me were wrong? I'd be amazed. This is a true story, but except for my own, I've changed all the names. And Molly, my weekly poker game is moving to the Cobra Lounge. You'll help run it. Movie stars, directors, and business titans. They were going all in, all the time. Thank you, Molly. This is for you. Thank you so much. I'm gonna stop paying you. As my assistant. You firing me? I'm not firing you. I'm just gonna stop paying you. You get paid once a week from the game. It doesn't seem fair. You're gonna stop paying me because I'm making too much money doing my second job, and if I say no, I'll lose both jobs because it doesn't seem fair? You don't have bargaining power here. You are unimportant. You know how many witches were burned in Salem? How many? None. They didn't burn witches, it's a myth. They hanged them. The humiliation had given way to blinding anger at my powerlessness. I wasn't gonna wait before I put a plan in place. I'll be hosting a game in this suite every Tuesday night. First buy-in, 250,000. That's gonna make noise. Let's play. I spent eight years in Hollywood and two years in New York running the world's most exclusive and decadent man cave. Have you seen the other names in your indictment? Come on, Marty, just how deep into the Russian mob were you? Your exposure's crazy. You got 2.8 million on the street right now. You're gonna get blown up. You managed to build a multi-million dollar business using not much more than your wits. I'm about to be charged in federal court. Well, nobody's perfect. There's a new offer on the table. Complete immunity. We hand over the hard drive. You've seen what's on those hard drives. Families, lives, careers will be ruined. Why are you in this alone? Where are the people you're protecting by not telling the whole story? I'll tell them everything they want to know about me. About me. That's it. (laughs) 
All right, that was the trailer for Molly's Game, our last new release review of the week. IMDb Plotline, the true story of Molly Bloom, an Olympic-class skier who ran the world's most exclusive high-stakes poker game and became an FBI target. This is written and, for the first time, directed by Aaron Sorkin. Uh, starring Jessica Chastain, Idris Elba, Kevin Costner, Michael Sarah, Jeremy Strong, Chris O'Dowd, and more. Uh, so, you know, we've seen tons and tons of movies all throughout the year. You got your, your, your uh, social networks, your few good men's, you, you know, you name it, man. He's uh, Aaron Sorkin's had a whole bunch of shit out there. TV, movies, the whole nine. Yep. And I'll be honest with you, with Aaron Sorkin, I'm one of those... Uh, I'm not like the ultimate fanboy of him because I know there are some super crazy Aaron Sorkin fanboys out there. Uh, I think he is kind of an arrogant prick, but as much as I don't like, I don't want to sit there and just go, oh man, son of a bitch, he did a really great, he he tends to keep doing really good jobs of everything. And um, I will definitely say screenplay with this. If he does not get, I think that it's, as far as I'm concerned, I think this has screenplay an Oscar for him with this. Uh, and for first time directing out, hell of a job. I think that is accurate, although I don't think that this movie comes together as well as I would have liked. Okay. So, so yes, very good job directing. I think the script is pretty strong, but I don't think that it has enough um, drive behind it. There's like, for me, there was just something missing and I couldn't figure out if it was, uh, how the story is presented kind of in this, uh, double tiered flashback structure, right. Um, where there's like a flashback and then a, a, an earlier flashback and they're kind of told simultaneously, Mm -hmm. uh, off and on periodically. Um, it's very good though. Like, like, I just don't think that it's great. Uh, for for me, I think if you're doing this sort of biopic that uh, that he's known for now, um, I still think like Moneyball is the standard. Maybe okay. uh, Steve Jobs, which nobody talks about anymore, but was a- actually excellent script wise. Um, I mean, you talk about a movie that that does something uh completely based on someone just talking constantly <laughs> and and that's what that is here um i just don't think that it comes together in a fully satisfying way hmm. but that that said the story is really interesting uh jessica chastain turns in another great performance um She's fantastic uh, in this thing, man. This is honestly, this is probably one of my favorite things that she's done. And I, you know, I, I like her well enough in, in in most things, but for some reason, I don't know why this one really stuck me. And I, I think a lot of it has to be I, I got I got to put on the hands of Sorkin here. Well, I think I think that's right. She has some great lines, but I, I kept while watching this going back to another um, legal thriller that she was in last year, right? Um, Miss Sloan, yeah. which was actually very good. I didn't see that uh, one, but of course, then again, no one else did either. Not to you no, know, no take away, but it, nobody right? saw it. Did it did not do well, but it was directed by John Madden, right? Who uh, I think is a very good director. He's 
directed um I mean he's he's known as Shakespeare in Love but also uh The Debt uh was very good. Uh he is um I th- I think is he not married to Helen Mirren? I think he is. In any case he like might be. I don't know. In any case, I just kept thinking about those two films back to back and I I think like Miss Sloan is not as well written as this movie, but she pretty much gives the same type of performance, right? This like very confident, uh, I'm going to get one over on the legal system kind of thing. Right. Um, and so I just could not push that out of my mind, but she, she is very good. And I don't, but I think like Sorkin is leaning on her a whole lot. Which is not a bad thing. I think Sorkin's directing is is stronger than his script is here. Really, hmm. I think I think that's actually what what I'm what I'm coming around to talking it out with you is that I think the script is just fine. I don't think that it's as engaging or as or as well done as his other scripts, but I think his directing punches it up because he under he I understands the words he wrote right. Yeah. And so I think he's able to make it do what it should do. I don't know. I'll have to spend more time thinking about it. Yeah. But but I but I liked it. This movie is long as fuck. It's two hours and twenty minutes. That's why. Of, that's why I took of it like as a drama. La- yeah, right? I took it as the last and, movie of my New Year's Eve and started at ten twenty. So when I walked out, yeah. New Year's was already over. So this was my you know midnight movie. <laughs> but but you know like that that said. I didn't think I did not feel like it was two hours. It doesn't it, at all. It, it, at all. It flows it super good. Uh, it's never you, you take a thing like poker and stuff. And there are a couple movies that like, you know, but it's it, but it's not like any of those movies. It's not like rounders. It's not like um, fucking. Oh, my brain just took a shit. Uh, but it's not like most uh, most of the poker movies that you end up seeing. Uh, and it's something, no. but, but again, it also comes down to uh, something. And I, and I heard an interview with uh, Sorkin as well is like a lot of the things Sorkin ends up writing about, he doesn't know anything about it. He's just like, look, I'm not a poker guy. I don't really know anything about poker. Same thing happened with like Facebook. He's just like, I don't get online. I don't like the fucking internet. He's just like, this is not my thing. And so, but I think also having that, that being away from it as well, surprisingly, if you're a a, a guy like him, I I think it works well for doing, yeah, for being able to explain it. Yeah. Yeah, no, look, I think I think the movie's good, right? Really good. I I don't know that I like it as much as Darkest Hour or All the Money in the World. But I think it's very good. Uh of the but three I, we're but doing But I can easily change that opinion by watching all three of them again. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, exactly. Because they're they're different varying levels and they're they're while they're three award contenders, they're also three very different movies for sure. Yes. Uh, great little bit from Kevin Costner. He's not in it a ton, but what he is in, he brings the gravity that Kevin Costner does, which is awesome. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Idris Elba. Is fantastic. And here's here's where I think this agrees Gosh, this fucking so thing. Good. Okay, so earlier this year, mm-hmm. we got a movie where he and Kate Winslet uh, have sex on a fucking mountain. Uh-huh. Right? How dare you? Fucking put him and Jessica Chastain in a movie, and they don't get it on. How fucking this is real dare life. You. This is real life, and it, that character is actually made up. I I, I do know. This I much. know. I'm just saying. How fucking <laughs> dare you, Aaron Sorkin? 
Not I, the story. Used to and be. it's not even that it's Jessica Chastain. It's like I think that like for the good of the world, whoever is on screen with Idris Elba should shack up with him at some point. Hey, look, man. I think the other lawyers in the room were giving some, giving him some good eyes when he was, uh, you know. <laughs> They were going down trying to get that plea in there. He's just like, I tell you I what. I mean, any any woman listening to the show that disagrees with me, f- feel free to send an email. But in my opinion, Idris Elba should be a sex object every time he's on li- screen, listen. especially with a competent, <laughs> strong, attractive woman. He's like, he's so good this movie. Like everything that he does, you just look at him and just like, God, he's so good. He's I just I hate this guy. He's so good. He's yeah. he's, he's just I you know I, come on. And I and I did really like the so one thing that I really liked actually was was that uh, one thing that Sorkin plays up in the script and this is you can tell this is him thinking as a screenwriter right is the relationship between Idris Elba and his daughter mm-hmm. and Kevin Costner and Molly right like like that relationship is clearly meant to be some parallel mirror image and how one can go awry and one can maybe still be salvaged. Mm -hmm. And I really liked that playoff of one another. I did enjoy that a whole lot. I thought that was very good. Yeah. And again, from a character that was coming from whole cloth, that's pretty good because it's like, um, that's one thing. Cause like I said, I heard an interview with him and stuff and the Idris Elba character is one that is made up for Charlie uh, Jaffe is not an actual human being. He's so um, an amalgamation. Of a lot of stuff, yes. but, but, but for, but again, you're right from a storytelling standpoint and how they do what they do with what, with, with, you know, the comparison between all of them really great. Uh, and again, and, understated performance again, we're, we're going on. That's also a theme today. Uh, Michael Sarah, really great. Yeah. He's a really good Toby Maguire, right? Yeah. I think we all know that that's who that is. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course it is, right? Like, like, of course. There's like, there's only like three or four people that that could be, but we're all pretty sure who it is. Yeah, I. You know what I spent most of the movie trying to do, like the early half of it, is trying to figure out who was Ben Affleck. Hmm. But I, but I think it's just one of the characters we don't actually get to know. Possibly. What's cool is like a lot of the uh, the people that were around and everything uh, just. Uh, where all the extras and stuff were all poker people, all actual poker right. people. So, like, you know, they they got a, you know, large authenticity bit of it and everything, and everybody's doing what they're doing. And one of the cool things was is Sorkin actually, because when they were going getting B-roll and all that stuff, put mm-hmm. like stuck a check up on the wall and basically had these guys play for that check. So they would what they would be doing wouldn't just be acting. They would seriously be going in, you know, as they would for any other normal pot and stuff, which I thought was kind of right. a neat idea. Uh, I, I like this film a whole lot. I think I liked it a little bit more than you did, but uh, yeah, I, it, it's it's definitely it's definitely one to watch. And like I said, at two twenty, technically, and that's another thing Sorkin screams at. He's just like it's two twenty with the credits. It's less than that. <laughs> <laughs> He's like it's like it's like two twelve. It's like two twelve because he was like contracted. Actually, <laughs> this is hilarious. He was contracted to deliver like a two twelve ish movie somewhere in that neighborhood because apparently uh, they know Aaron Sorkin writes some long ass stuff. Yeah, and it, I think he said his original screenplay was well over three hundred pages. So if that tells you anything, that's how the man. Yeah, works. well, I mean, I I I think that you can tell like this is clearly a guy who one got his writing career started in the theater. And two has had the greatest success as a screenwriter on television. Yeah, because because he is clearly 
uh, not concerned with the two-hour runtime. We'd like to put it at this. I don't care. <laughs> but I think, and it, but here's the deal. He's also, he's also had the very fantastic luck of having a lot of great directors direct his stuff. I think, you know, as good as he is, you know, if you take away the fact that, you know, you you have somebody like a Steven Soderbergh, like you have, you know, a David Fincher, a Rob Reiner, you know, you have these people that are really good. If they're not there, maybe maybe your stuff doesn't get as, as good as it, you know, could have, I guess. But uh, I like it a whole bunch. Go check it out, why don't you? Uh, that's it for this week, everybody. Man, oh man, we've had we've had two heck of a shows right here, boy. And uh, two, two hecks of shows. Next week, uh, we're going to be dipping back into a little bit of something that came out a little earlier. We're going to talk about father figures, yep. uh, uh, a comedy uh, that came out, and we're also going to be talking about uh, the new Insidious movie. Insidious, what's it called? Final Keys, something like that. The Last Key. That's what it is. And yes. another one that's looking good for, uh, I hear a lot of good things from the people that have seen it, uh, I, Tanya, man. Another looking like we're going to get an awards contending kind of thing here. And I'm sorry, world, try as you might. You can't ugly up Margot Robbie. It just doesn't work. Just doesn't work. So, uh, you know, try as you might. But uh, that's looking really good, too. So we'll cover that and, of course, a lot of other things as well. Because for me, man, it's the 2017 Cram Jam, and I'm trying to get in as much 2017 movies as I possibly can. Because I am ashamed at the few numbers that I've seen this year, and that's all account on Movie Pass. So uh, maybe 2018 will be a little bit better. In the meantime, Matt, where can we find more of your work on the internet? Uh, let's let's do Instagram again. Follow me on Instagram at Matt underscore Boyd underscore Smith. Uh, there you'll find me posting images of Dick Tracy comics that I'm reading, or beer that I'm drinking, or just photos of my dog being cute. Aww. Who don't like pictures of a little wiener dog? It's not a wiener dog per se. It's just a small dog, right? It is a small dog. Although sometimes our bigger dog Brody ends up on there as well. well so, you know. But the, even that dog's not that big. Let's be frank. It ain't like my well, dog he, that's like 70 pounds. He He's 60. 55 to 60. Fluctuates. He's a larger, medium-sized dog. He's He's not a tall dog. But he's stocky. He's got some muscle. He's a little squatty. A little squatty on that. And, of course, uh, my podcast, uh, HearMoviePodcast.com, all that kind of good jazz. You know what the stuff is, everybody. So we'll be doing all that stuff next week. But thank you guys for hanging out. Thank you for, uh, you know, granting us that little week off there. But, hey, we did just solid. We came through and, you know, what, five movies in two weeks. What other show does that for you? There's not a lot of them out there that do that. Keep that in mind. And do us a favor, man. Review us on iTunes if you haven't. Tell a friend. Subscribe. Or patreon.com slash thefilmfind, man. We're really going to need some of that coming up in the not too distant future. I'm just saying. So until next week, for Matt Smith, I'm Adam Porches. We will see you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>